0: Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. What's blooming, friends? I am really excited to share this flower farmer chat with you. Not only are we hearing from a fellow flower farmer florist, but she's also an extension agent, which I think we need more Alexis in the world, if you ask me. It's so great to hear not only her experience as a flower farmer and a florist, but also the advocacy work that she's doing in Kentucky. So I hope you enjoy our Flower Farmer Chat. Well, hey friends, welcome back to this week's Flower Farmer Chat. On this episode, I've got Alexis from Wild Roots Flower Farm in Kentucky, my first flower farmer in Kentucky. You guys all know that I'm on the adventure of hitting every state in 50 states, so if you haven't been represented, you need to reach out to me. Well, welcome, Alexis, to the podcast. Welcome, and uh, hello from the bluegrass state.
1: So uh, I'm very flattered to be your first Kentucky because there are some phenomenal Kentucky flower farms out there. So I'm just like, you picked me. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm very pleased. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, of course. And if you have friends, you should send them my way because <laughs> I like to hear, I I do not discriminate. I want to hear from everybody, whether you're in your first year to your 20th year, you're small or big. There's just so much that everybody mm-hmm. can share. And before we hit record, we were just talking about this is everybody has unique experience that we can gain learnings from. So thank you for being here. To kick us off, why don't you share a little bit more about wild roots, your journey to flowers, and everything in between? Yeah. Well, I
1: am first and foremost a, a plant nerd. So I went to the University of Kentucky for a horticulture degree. I got a master's in plant and soil sciences. So when I say I like plants and I like soil, I mean it. Uh, and I actually, uh, I do have a full-time job. I feel like that's important to always frame with, with people is um, I always say flower farming is my side gig, but it's really kind of also my full-time gig slash, you know, two full-time jobs, right? That's what we do in farming. So I all, I have the hope of eventually farming full time. That is my goal. But from where we and I'll talk about where, how we got started, you'll understand why I'm still, still working. But my full time job is to talk about plants. So uh, I work in extension and I teach people about plants. So it's fun for me and get to experience that myself through farming. So anyway, so I went to school, I learned about plants, I took a floral design class in uh, college It's just kind of one of those like extra credit things. And when I graduated, of course, all of my friends started getting married. And and so I started doing their weddings, you know, you're like, oh, I can do this. And they're just like small, you know, little weddings. And so that kind of gave me a creative outlet that I need. I have this very sciencey brain, but then I'm like, I need to do something, make something, create something. So this was some way to kind of do that. And then about the time I got married, so 2016, I had been doing flowers and I had a florist business, you know, just kind of this side gig that I had. And, and I thought, I was like, I actually can grow these? What am I doing? Like a this is literally what I went to school for. So I decided to, as many of us have done, I think I've heard uh, around town is we grow flowers for our own wedding. And so I grew them and I was already buying from some friends who were kicking off Beller Blooms is in Kentucky. If any of you have heard of them, go follow them. Uh, Anna and Aaron and, and Ruby, they're hilarious. So if you want to see really gorgeous flowers, really impressive farmers, uh, and just people who are funny as heck, go <laughs> go follow Beller Blooms. But anyways, so I was already buying from them them. They were good friends. And so I started growing some for my wedding, and it just kicked it off. And that's kind of what I say was like the start of Wild Roots. So I changed my business name, I changed the whole model and started growing on rented land. And so friends of mine were like, sure, you can use this apply uh, and you know, paid them a small, very minimal small fee to be able to uh, use that space and grew that space over about what has it been five seasons, four or five seasons, uh, grew that space bigger and bigger every year, you know, adding something and with the hope of just looking for land. And it was, it's, Kentucky has a lot of land, but uh, a lot of it is not tillable land or, or even no tillable land for that, for that. Um, A lot of it is so rural that it'd be really hard to run a business, especially a business that does so much retail, at least we do. And, or even just to get to a wholesale market, a lot of our land is just not accessible. There's no internet. You'd be lucky if you got, if you got city water kind of thing. So we finally found that in 2020. So uh, the, the only thing that came good out of 2020 for a lot of us, but I will say was the interest rate was great then. Uh, <laughs> so we, we found a piece of property in 2020 and then that's kind of kicked off the second wave. And this was like, I felt like I made a lot of mistakes as we all do when we start on that rented land. And I had the privilege, the absolute privilege of being able to make those, you know, quote unquote mistakes and kind of build myself up and figure what that was about. And then when we bought the property in 2020, it was funny. So we bought it in August and within the month of August, everything. Thing happened like we bought we found it we bought it like clothes everything happened but when I look back my notes from I keep you know notebooks of all the things I buy and blah blah, blah. I bought like 200 peonies in February and I don't know a thousand bulbs or something with no idea where I was going to put them I was like we're we're buying a farm this year like we had been looking for three or four years at that point I was like we're buying a farm and I bought those peonies and I was like I had no idea and it just it, I, I guess I manifested it <laughs> into, into being but so I had a Place to put my peonies, and that's what we. The first things I planted were peonies and daffodils, and we. I had tulips that I was throwing in a random ditch that I was digging, and I was like, "Oh, there's rock here, sweet, lovely," and just kind of it cycled out of there. So now we're on about I say about an acre of production, and that's some of that is just right now paddock that we manage. That's around like for our peonies as an example. There's a lot more grass than there is peonies in that area, but we do still have to manage it, and slowly over time, you know, we're going to add some stuff. So I say about an acre. We have have a high tunnel as well. So that was the other big thing that I had been saving my money for all those years was like, I'm going to build a high tunnel. Uh, I love high tunnel growing. It's like, it's just my thing. I think it's fun. I love how compartmentalized it is. And I just, I love that little, I say little thing, it's big, but (laughs) I love that. And then we just put up a, a greenhouse. So we have woody shrubs and we went in, I went in hard because I had waited for five years to get there five seasons to get there and so went in rolling rolling fast so we're on our third season there uh, and transitioned over so we're fully transitioned at this point and yeah it's just been it's a wild ride and all of the things that we do <laughs> while well, working full-time and bless my poor husband because he has become my whole like random hole digger and just like he we got some grant money to develop like a true studio space in this barn that we have and so he put a ceiling up. And did all this stuff And I don't think he knew what he was getting into And he married me And I was like, we are going to have a flower farm So
0: (laughs) yeah, it's been crazy I love it We need to start a therapy group for our significant others (laughs) (laughs) Because I think mine needs to be able to vent too So I
1: get it You will not Uh, believe what she made me do today
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, if they could only look back on their life What a journey It was fun times (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, you know what? I love that you brought up that you had a full-time job and Mm -hmm. most people do. That is a reality of building a farm cost a lot of money and most people I too started my farm with a full time job Mm -hmm. working a full time job you're able to have that security of benefits your base pay but it also is enabling you to invest in this new dream Mm -hmm. which then at the end of the day you know opens the chapter book to your next big dream and so I think it's so awesome that you highlighted that but I love that you have your job and extension like that's gotta open up some doors. For you as well, just around the education piece too. Yeah,
1: it's. uh I always tell people I'm I'm very lucky because my job is to learn and know about plants, and then I go home and I have a farm that is plants, and so I'm I'm very very fortunate, and and my passions overlap with the things that also make me money, uh, and so sometimes that's good because you know that's like why wouldn't you want your passions to make you money? But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, how do I get away? <laughs> but but I am very fortunate, and and when I get you know we've. Got a great community of flower farmers around here, and I'm the person who gets the text message that's like, "Hey, what is this? What's wrong with this?" it's it's both my job and my pleasure to help them with that, and and we learn from each other. And I'm able to I'm able to help other farmers. You know, like I understand when they went through negative twenty degrees that we had last December. What my crops are looking like means that I can help them when they bring something in. They're like, "What is going on?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I saw that in my ranunculus. Don't worry about it." You know, it's I can really relate. I think better from that point of view. But then I get the benefits of being able to research disease all day because I (laughs) can't. when I go home. I'm like, I know what that is. So
0: it seems like I live in Oregon, very Mm -hmm. agricultural based, not necessarily a focus on flowers, but other stuff. And it feels like there is a gap in that knowledge within Mm -hmm. the extension world just around flowers. So I think that's amazing that your state has you as a resource. (laughs) And I'd love to know just a little bit, like, are you connected throughout the US? And do you see any growth in more of the extension offices? focusing on flowers given the big boom mm-hmm. of local flowers?
1: Yeah, so like, I have the, like I said, very fortunate for, from a full-time position to be able to work with other universities and know more about them. We all know about North Carolina, right? They've been doing research, kind of the top of the game forever. And a lot of you probably know, and if you don't, hurry and go get on the Instagram, website, whatever, Utah State. So Dr. Melanie Stock, I've met her. She came to one of our, it's our, called our Kentucky Fruit and Vegetable, but it's so changing into specialty crops uh, because last year we had a whole day on flowers. We've done a lot of different things there, but it was traditionally all fruits and vegetables that came out of horticulture has had a pretty big push, relatively speaking. I mean, we're not California or Florida, but we were a big tobacco state. So a lot of people know that about Kentucky who know anything about ag. Of course, there there was tobacco settlement money that came out, right? Like all those companies kind of went away and tobacco kind of crashed in Kentucky. We still have people that grow it. But from that, our funds that are still being doled out from year to year to support something other than tobacco and traditional agronomic crops. So uh, we have a Kentucky Horticulture Council. We have some great things that support those more specialty crops and flowers are climbing the ranks and we're starting to get recognition from that great specialist and me being annoying and loud and being like, we need this because I need it and I'm not the only one. And you know, I'm the loud mouth of, of the group. And, I, and I'm just I'm blessed to have a position where I can help speak for more people. But there's many of us who do that a lot around the state. So anyways, Utah State, Dr. Melanie Sock is doing such cool research and info. Um, Tennessee has started to uh, grow. They've got some good publications and they're starting to do some specialty crop with flowers as a big focus, like some con- like small conferences for the state and, and places like that. So I do think it is growing because there's just more flower farmer voice. I think there's, you know, ASCFG we know has been around for 35 years or something like that, but there's more and more people there, which is giving that that bigger voice and more and more of us are just just the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. <laughs> so I, I would say uh, it's growing uh, that way and just Instagram, I mean and I mean Facebook too, but flowers are visual, right? So like if you f- if you're flooding social media with beautiful pictures of flowers and in my case corgis with flowers because I have two corgis and they're the cutest ever. <laughs> and so if you're flooding Instagram with that people are paying more attention to it and getting more involved and you know slowly but surely it happens. So I've been really pleased we have here in the state, we have through the University of Kentucky and that Horticulture Council, we have a really great resource where we've been able to map the uh, flower farms in the state of Kentucky. So if they if it's people who are selling, so it's definitely people who are um, sell, actively selling, not just like home gardener type situation, uh, nothing against them, but you know, we're talking about money makers here. They actually can submit to be put on this map where it's searchable. And so you can go to, you know, your home county and see what flower farms are close to you. And then it shows how they sell. Where they're located, their social media sites, their website. And so it's just helping to get people able to purchase and buy and see what's out there. So that's been really great. We've been doing short courses. I could go on and on. I'm just, I'm really proud of the team here at Kentucky who are doing a really good job, I think, and, and it's a big team. So I'm just I'm really proud of them.
0: <laughs> well, knowledge is power. Yeah. And like you said, flowers are very visual. And I think there's just COVID, as much as it created so much disruption in our world, there was a lot of great disruption Mm -hmm. and I think it's just as I've had more and more of these conversations local flowers have created bonds within communities that historically Mm -hmm. haven't had the opportunity especially in these rural communities where you know if you've got a florist in town they have to drive five hours to the wholesale Mm -hmm. like and the price of flowers is pretty expensive right now Mm -hmm. and so it's not really an attainable resource that folks can have and so I just it's been so exciting to hear the stories of flower farmers starting their journeys and really creating this bond in their communities. So I can't wait to see more, I guess, institutions yeah. recognize us as an industry within the ag and mm-hmm. just all. I mean, you know, the floral industry is a big money maker. Mm-hmm. So if we can bring that money back to our communities, I think that's pretty amazing. And it's stories like yours and you being the squeaky wheel <laughs> that raises, us all up. <laughs> and, and if you
1: are in a place, and I, we are very fortunate in Kentucky that the way our extension service works, we have 120 extension offices in the state. So there's one of us in every county, but there's not there's not an annoying Alexis who loves flowers in every county. But if you are in a place, just keep making noise. Keep asking for things that are specific. And yes, that person might not know exactly how to help you. But if they're in the extension world, I promise you that they are eager to help you in some way. And so that might, it might take some time. It I mean that they have to reach out to some specialists that might not even be in their same state, but, you know, keep on them and and that's really a way. So even if it's not just for you, think of it as you're helping the whole industry of flower farmers, right? Because if there's these people on my level who keep telling the people above me how much this is needed, I keep having these people asking for flower information. Can I get something? It'll get the wheels turning. So don't just do it for you, do it for us all. And if you could see me, I'm making like weird hand gestures on this video call right now. but. <laughs>
0: I love it. Well, it's yeah. an excellent point. And I just encourage people to keep raising your voice. So with that said, tell us a little bit about what it's like to grow in Kentucky. And what does your farm look like today? So you talked yeah. a little bit about woodies. I'd love to know you just got off this season and we're rolling into the next one. Mm-hmm. So what are kind of your plans for next year too? Yeah. So okay. tell cool. us a little bit more about your farm and
1: Yeah, all the I actually things. was just looking at the New USDA zone map. So they have a new one that came out. I don't know if you saw that. I just looked at it, and it has Kentucky now, or my area of Kentucky, firmly in seven A. We were definitely a six B, but for zones for with them, for where that matters, um, Kentucky is a really weird state. The saying around here is like, "If you don't like the weather, wait, wait a minute," and that is incredibly true. And in every sense of the word and so and I have family all over the U.S. and they will all tell you Kentucky is so weird they don't know how to plan for trips here because the weather they have to bring four different outfits for a week so as an example like we had that cold spell the polar vortex as we've been calling it uh, came through last winter uh, in our area of the country and so we experienced negative 20 degrees on our farm which was I now know ranunculus will withstand being in a high tunnel with the agribon layer on it negative 20 they were fine I lost maybe a my butterfly and ranunculus were not happy, but the anemones literally laughed at it. Like they were like, "What is it? Golden here? I what?" So uh, anyways, fun fact, Uh, but you can just, you know, stay up all night worrying about it. So (laughs) So we had negative 20 and in the summer times, it's, you know, we can be in May, which is normally, you know, spring in our area and it can still be, uh, it can get up to, you know, 95, 98 degrees. So we had really high humidity in the summer. Uh, 80% humidity is pretty standard in the summer times here. And we just have crazy fluctuations, kind of this climate change thing. Uh, We've had, uh, we had really bad wind storms this last roll, which we is kind of tornado season for us, but it was I was literally in the high tunnel with a razor blade because I was like, I'm gonna have to cut the plastic, like I'd rather cut the plastic. And it was I don't recommend this. Go, don't go do this, okay? Don't be in a windstorm in your tunnel. But my husband was putting in new screws in our in the poles because they were being sheared off because the wind was hitting it and just restlessly and everything. So I was sitting in there with a the razor blade, like waiting with a razor blade like in my pocket, ready to just cut the plastic off. And we had uh, 75 mile per hour winds at the farm, so it's just really gone. Crazy. Uh, We have crazy periods of drought, and then we'll get rain in the middle of July for some random reason for five weeks straight. And it's you're like, I gotta go harvest these tiny little windows. But anyway, so weather is crazy here, but it is also a great place to grow things at, uh, despite that, because we do fortunately get rain. We do have a pretty nice long season to be able to grow stuff. So, anyways, that means weeds are also crazy. So, that's really nice. On our farm, we have, I have kind of a perennial zone, which is about point in time, I think it's like 50 by 200 feet, 50 by 300 feet, something like that, space. That is perennials. We grow a lot of Kentucky natives. Uh, you know, our state flower is goldenrod, which is huge in the floral industry, but there's a lot of other natives out there just do really great, and that's kind of that's kind of our niche. Like, our saying is like, you know, Kentucky native is kind of like what we find have on our shirts and stuff like that, uh, and it's just important to us. I, I'm a plant nerd, like I said, so I, I love growing the weird stuff. I have a bed, a ditch that my... Husband (laughs) dug a trench for me that's about what is it, two foot by five foot, and then about three foot deep trench that I have lined with a pond liner. And I have Saracenia, which are pitcher plants growing in it. And so that's been my little experiment pet. We do have some that survive with a little extra protection. And then I have some annual zones that I rotate through. That's about with my dahlias. It's probably again another 50 by kind of 200 right now. And then I've created a windbreak because, like I said, we have wind. So I've been working on a windbreak since we moved there of woody. So we have Forsythia, Viburnum, colquitia, Snowberry, Hydrangea, Nine Bark, Wajalia, and probably something else, oh Catinus, smokebush in there. And you know they're still small, but I've harvested a little bit off of them, which has been really nice. And I you know that's your my retirement plan as I call it. And then we have some other spots with lilac and mock orange, and then the peonies like I've talked about. My landscape is all cuttable <laughs> plants, so everything I've been putting into something that I a cut off of and I've had good friends are plant nerds and they have some old cool plants that they've taken cuttings of and so sometimes I only have like one of something which is but it's in my landscape and I'm like if I can cut that for a bridal bouquet And it's just something extra special uh, That's really important to me And then I have a small rose garden That's been growing probably too fast Because roses don't do well in Kentucky But there's something that uh, They remind me of my mom And so she had a rose garden And they're just They're more for me But again If I can cut a beautiful garden rose Cut one or two stems That go in a bridal bouquet All the better for it Uh, And then here's, here's one of those Misery loves company kinds of things For those of you out here I'm sure a lot of you Who have grown dahlias Have experienced virus Right? It's rampant in dahlias these days. It's crazy. And there's like three different kinds. There's gall and bacteria. And that's a tangent rabbit hole I could go down forever. A few years ago, before it was like as out there and visible, some of the virus that we have, not the leafy gall or anything like the true different viruses, I got in some plants from a large overseas, we won't name names, place. And remember thinking with my like little plant brain, (laughs) that just looks weird weird but it was a new variety to me and I thought maybe that's just what it is and that year was the year that I was manifesting we bought a farm so I grew all my dahlias in really big pots which worked well but I wanted to be able to move them because remember I bought all these peonies and all this stuff long story short I'm here I am in 2024 like five or six years later and all of my dahlias have virus and like I know it to be true and I've had them virus tested and so all of them except the ones I bought this year that I quarantined are trash So that's fun. (laughs) So if anybody's selling bulk tubers... I have some money to spend with you, <laughs> but so that's gonna be a big, kind of a big overhaul. And I'm adding some and kind of taking down from growing the 50 plus varieties or whatever that we all get. You know, we're like, oh look at that, oh look at that. You know, I'm kind of weaning those down to the ones I know that my my wholesale florists love, the ones that I like to use in design work and my CSAs. So that's kind of my big my big thing I think for for next year and just doing a better job at what I'm already doing because I'm in year seven eight going on year eight and I, I want to be more efficient. Quality over quantity. I think I'm at that point where we've done everything, like literally everything you could type of sales we've done. Uh, and so I'm whittling those down at this point and trying to figure out what do I enjoy, what builds me up and what gives me energy and what doesn't. And a great example of this is the dry case that I just put together yesterday for our CSA members. I said, all summer, you know, I get so excited. Oh, I'm going to dry all these things and they're beautiful. And, and then I get to the point where I actually have to make the things with the dried bouquet and I'm just pissed off (laughs) they just break apart I mean they're beautiful don't get me wrong and in the end they look nice but like it's just not the same as working with fresh flowers and I just that form is just not worth it to me but anyways again I can go off on a tangent and just about anything so
0: Oh my gosh. You should see my notes right now. I have so many questions. But to your last point, I feel like this time of year, I'm doing a shop small Saturday sale Mm -hmm. and I am dragging my feet. I just am so tired. And I think it's like, oh, don't set yourself up for failure. Cause Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) I've got wreaths to make and I'm not even, I'm, I usually do, I've done a wreath workshop every year for probably the past six years. I'm not doing one. I was like, I'm tired. I'm not doing it because I just remember how I felt last year and I already got to make 30 for my CSA. I'm like, I'm out. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Sorry. Love you. Bye.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And this is where like, I love how you said quality over quantity, Mm -hmm. but we all have to go through that journey of (laughs) trying the plant, trying Mm -hmm. the service, trying the product. Like, You have to go through the experience to see if it works, number one, for your community, if there's interest, Mm -hmm. or two, if you hate it Or love it like you have to go through that journey. Reading a book or listening to a podcast is not going to give you that. And so I love how you said (laughs) that is so perfect. I
1: that's the the best thing in horticulture. I think in general, like that's what I tell my fruit growers, my vineyard people. It's just quality over quantity. Find what you do really well and also something you enjoy. Because like I can grow gomfrina out the wazoo, and I still do. But do I like it? Like do I? And it's pretty, but do I want to harvest it? No. Which means it goes to waste and so it's like why am I wasting my space with this and cosmos are another one I'm like cosmos piss me off you know there's just some things that for no, re- no reason other than I just don't and so then they don't get harvested and then I lose money on them and wasted my
0: time but it was a good thought and you know we try again <laughs> and then you look at the seed catalog and you're like that's really pretty and you repurchase it and you replant it and what have I done like, <laughs> right back to that point again <laughs> yeah Yeah, exactly. Oh, and the dahlias. Like, oh, unpopular opinion here, but this is why I don't – I still have them on my farm, but I'm not Mm -hmm. investing so heavily in them because they are so disease-prone and they have such a short base life. And Mm -hmm. it's great to have, like, some, Mm -hmm. but especially if you're doing, like, mixed bouquets or something, I like to have some. But I also yeah. like to have other stuff like the chrysanthemums and all the other flowers mm-hmm. that help give you that longevity of vase life. Um, right. But the dahlias are there still for the wow. But yeah. And coming from a potato farmer's daughter, which <laughs> dahlias are like potatoes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and they're potatoes. Edible. <laughs> yeah. And they owe oh, potatoes always had virus. My dad mm-hmm. struggled with this his whole career. I'm not shocked, but yeah, yeah it's just, it's bad. And with so many people selling, Tubers. Yep, you're hitting it. You know, and it's not anything against anybody because
1: I have a master's degree in this and I still didn't pick it up immediately because it can be so hard. Certain viruses can look different. I mean, I took it into people who literally run a pathology lab. I took four different plant samples in of four different varieties. And they were like, that one is virus. These ones we don't think are. And they did. I mean, they came back with virus. So even people who who literally have done this for 30 years in a lab, it's not always identifiable. So it's nothing personal towards people. But I am now only buying from growers I personally know, and I know their skill. And like, that's what they do are dahlias or people who virus test. Swan Island, you know, is a great example of that. And it's just like, if I, can't get a cool variety so be it because I'm not I'm not this is the second time I've had to deal with virus and trash my whole stock and I just can't afford it again so we don't do a ton compared to people who like Really do dahlias, but we do have a market for them, so I keep growing them. And I only grow really the ones that have good vase life, or the ones that are like I know I can sell to florists, my wedding florists, Uh, and and I use them in wedding design as well. But that's kind of where what we've done, and that's part of that dialing it in. And if you only grow five or ten varieties, but you grow them well, right? Quality over quantity. That's fine. You know, you have a white, you have a burgundy, you have a you know a pink, and what else do you really need? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> it's nice to have but like can you do you really need 18 shades of burgundy no
0: that's just my opinion though you do you yeah well and this is what's so hard is usually dial cells occur in the months where we're all really missing flowers mm-hmm. and <laughs> so we're all broke the- <laughs> we're all broke. So like, please take that into account when you are doing yeah. your shopping but it's like you said we learn this through the process mm-hmm. and too like you said if you can get your tubers from a reliable source that mm-hmm. you know is safe try taking your own cuttings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one way to gradually increase your supply and that's what I've done and I'm yeah. no expert like I just watched a couple of YouTubes and I've done it myself and that's how I've turned that $20 tuber into to several yeah. plants Oh lord I know You get the You're like oh, It
1: hurts so bad I mean it's Obviously People who Anybody who's ever Grown a dahlia Knows like You're happy to pay for it And you know The amount of work That goes into Just getting that tuber to you But you're also like Ow Ow My bank Ow <laughs> for like 35 I bought like a $35 one Last year Because I was like um, I just I'm going to try Taking all these cuttings And I'm going to do All this great stuff It was still painful Even though I knew It was worth it It was still painful So this goes
0: back to having a full time job. Yeah. (laughs) You yeah. know, like it's easier to swallow mm-hmm. it's some of those investments. Is. Whereas if you're full time, it's like, oh, you're really like pinching the pennies, and like I don't
1: know exactly I really do. Need do that. you really need the one with the pretty little glistening? Because is your customer gonna know? Like, how are they gonna know? What's that meme? How are they gonna know? Are they gonna know? How are they gonna know? But yeah, it, it's sad, and I'm through it now. I haven't like pub- made it public to my my clients yet, but because I know they're gonna be like, are you not? I'm like, no, I'm buying more, but it'd be really great if you bought a CSA share because I need to pay for them. I'm, you know, secretly going to market it that way.
0: Okay, gosh. Like I told Alexis before we started, I'm like, there we could talk for hours. There's mm. so many topics that mm-hmm. we can address and I'm I just launched my CSA and like you said like it's so nice to have that cash flow yes. to just start buying your seeds and your mm-hmm. bulbs and oh my gosh, it can get so expensive and talk about buying all those peonies like mm-hmm. I just bought more Yeah, and I'm like what I just, and it's earlier and earlier now. Like yeah. I bought my
1: bulbs that came or are, are not even here yet because I I'm letting up like buying them pre chilled because again, we've just moved up to seven seven B and we're not getting enough cold time for our, our tulips anymore. So they're not even here yet. And I paid for them back in like November, like of last year. And like before my blooms had even bloomed from the previous like season. I And it's just crazy to get in, to get a good price, to get the varieties that you hopefully want because there's no guarantee because the season hasn't even started yet and I get it like I'm not mad about it but it it's it's hard because you're putting a lot of money up front for something that you haven't even had the blooms for the previous money that you bought. <laughs> and so I, I don't know about if you've read the book Profit First, but yeah, it changed my business. So if you haven't read that and probably heard multiple people say it, but it, it truly changed my business and I have a horticulture enterprise management degree. So like literally that's what I really studied and this book still changed the business uh, for me. So especially when you're buying those kinds of tubers and the fact that like, you know, we needed to buy a generator when we got negative 20 because we were like, we don't know like if the tunnel has to stay inflated. We didn't know if the power was going to go out, like so we bought a generator and I had that money because of profit first and the fact that the dahlias are going down. I had that money because of the profit first. So that's my pitch towards that. And it's a funny book. Like I know accounting books sound like lame. It actually is like a good read. So that's your winter drop. Read the book.
0: <laughs> On top of like how do you manage that? I've kind of drawn a fine line with I'm not doing the winter growing. I just feel mm-hmm. so tired right now. I am mm-hmm. not and I mean honestly start some of the seeds in late December. So it's yeah. like to like manage a high tunnel or a greenhouse in the winter time, especially if you have some of those really harsh conditions mm-hmm. is a lot. There's yeah. a lot of burnt out just associated with that. So how do you kind of manage that? Plus the cost if you yeah. are heating it can be insane. So mm-hmm. how do you manage it through the winter?
1: <laughs> uh, you are tied to your farm. So that is that is one thing. It's funny. I talk about this a lot with some of the people that that I went to school with who who farmed and no longer farm like they, they teach now essentially. And they're like, why do you do this to yourself? Like, yeah, season extension is great, but you you don't get a break essentially. And you know, it, it does suck. Let me tell you, first of all, when you get snow and you're going out the first winter, we had the high tunnel. We don't typically get a ton of snow. We do get some ice though, which is worse, much worse than snow for high tunnels. We were getting a mix of the two and we actually did get about, I don't know, three foot of snow or something, which is Not an every year thing, but we also were getting ice and so it was the first year with the tunnel I had no idea what the snow load was going to be and I was just panicked My husband and I set an alarm for every three hours all night long and we went out and pulled snow off of the tunnel every three hours. So 1am, 4am. We haven't done that since. I think I've learned more about snow load and, and fortunately we haven't gotten the snow in that way, but it is, it is a lie. And in those moments, it really sucks, you know? And, and I'm like, why do we do this? But I think that for me personally, the plants Are so rejuvenating to me that having something that I can, I don't have kids, I have corgis. So uh, having something that I can coddle and having something I can kind of focus my attention on, I, you know, I love starting seeds. I love seeing things grow. I used to take naps in the greenhouse on campus because like that was my safe space. And (laughs) for me, I think it is rejuvenating to me in my soul. And I'm, don't get me wrong, it's tiring and it is burnout. And people who know me well know that like I am the queen of burnout. Uh, I will go go a thousand miles per hour until I'm just, I hit a brick wall and I'm done uh, for better or worse. And uh, I'm working on it though. So if you're one of those people, I feel you, I'm here with you. Don't be that person, choose better coping skills, but do love it. And I did buy automatic sides. So the number one, the best thing I have done for myself, thing I would spend the money on 10 times over is automatic roll up sides. (laughs) It has saved my butt. And so it's temperature and sure they're not perfect, but that's the only way I could do it living off farm. and, And it has saved my butt more than one occasion. So, highly recommend spending the money on those. But it is hard. I don't know. I think I think I just really love plants. But I am in full respect of people who don't want a high tunnel. They don't need one. I have a friend who's a grower, northern Kentucky. And she's like, yeah, we thought about it. And like we had a place for it. We were planning on it. And then we just were like, we don't really like they didn't need it for their market. They didn't need to get into the market earlier. And they just need it. They wanted time. They do low tunnels and stuff like that. So they're not like off all winter or anything. But it just didn't work for them and the, with their lifestyle. And I think farming needs to be a part. We give so much to farming that we need to make it work for us. And I think that there is a niche for everybody. So find yours and it's hard. It's really hard not to do what the person next to you is doing because sometimes it's hard to come up with your own ideas. Find what gives you life. And for me, I love growing. So like I started doing grow kits, grow your own cut flower kits for people. And I love, oh my gosh, when I get a picture from someone who's like, I just cut my first bouquet from the garden. There is a joy in me that I cannot. I'm like, these are my babies bringing other people joy in a different way than just a bouquet can, right? Like there's so much more to that. And I I love growing plants for them. So I don't know. I have this funny video from like COVID where I'm like sitting in the high tunnel and I'm uh, doing one of those like, you know, making myself sound like this little person voice or whatever. And it's just like, I think I would go crazy without you. I'm gonna have to share it with you because I think it's still funny and it just shows how crazy I am. <laughs> I'm like sitting there talking to my plants actually I think that's how I found
0: you is, is it? that real <laughs> yes and I yep. was like Oh my gosh, you just <laughs> nailed it. That's
1: me. Yeah, that's that's me. Uh, my husband hates it. I'm always like, we got to go close the tunnel. Or if I'm working late, I'm like, hey, I need you to go close the tunnel. You know, and by close, I mean he pulls the blankets over when it's really cold. And ugh. but I don't know. There's just I would much rather winter grow than grow in the summer. Um, in fact, you asked about what I'm changing. That reminds me. Unless I land this grocery account that I'm kind of wanting to land. I will not I'm not even planning on really having flowers unless they're perennials in the, in July. I'm tired. Man, July hits. It used to be August. And now that like the season has bumped up and I'm harvesting in like March now, July, I'm dead. I'm tired. It's hot as all get out out there. And the weeds are taking over. Like I don't have time. And so that's gonna be my new break time is... July.
0: That's an excellent point, <laughs> especially when you start your season so early that yeah. I I remember this last year, just wow, like Rochelle, like it's only July. Like, how are mm-hmm. you so burnt out? But I mean, if you focus, like I focused hard on Mother's Day, which I will mm-hmm. because that's one sales Absol- outlet. People that want it. Yeah. I could probably make most of my money for all year round. But you know, mm-hmm. it's just having that rush, especially because flowers are so desired in the mm-hmm. early spring spring like between, you know, Mother's Day, graduations, recitals. There's so much going on where you could sell your flowers, planting and just mm-hmm. all the things. It's it's tired. Like, what, yeah, you get so tired. And of it's it's nice of the same, to same take time,
1: right? Like, I don't know about you all, but like our last frost day is like Mother's Day. So it's like I'm trying to get plants in the ground. And I think it is for a lot of us around the US on Mother's Day, which is our biggest day of the year. And it's just tired. So I'm like, I'm going to push them. I'm going to push them another three three weeks, four weeks, and I'm going to put them in late. And so I get my first harvest in August because I don't have weddings in July. I don't do big sales in July. I have skipped my, I do a seasonal CSA share where it's a bouquet once a month. And I I skipped July this year. I was like, you know, I knocked $25 off. It makes the price seem lower. People forget their, the most. Like, you know, when you look at the data, the data says July sucks. So <laughs> why? I mean, I'm going to have perennials and stuff. So that will fill our little roadside stand that we do every weekend. But I'm not going to push myself like that because I want to focus on selling all the great product I have in May and then, you know, I can have better product for the fall rather than having to put a whole another round of zinnias and salvia in for my September needs, you know, my August
0: stuff will still be kicking. So, perfect in theory, right? We'll see how it goes. We'll report back next November. Going back to our earlier point is you don't really understand this until you're knee deep mm-hmm. in it. I'm going into my fourth year and I feel like this last year were so much growth and so yeah. much revelation of just everything that I'm I- year American three you're like everything's changing yeah exactly yeah, totally, <laughs> just wait till but- year five you're gonna it's yeah. gonna be a-
1: it's like turning th- i don't know how old you are Michelle, but like it's like turning 30 like year five is like turning 30 to me where you're just kind of like i am this new person and i there's a new confidence there and you're just kind of like you don't want my flowers don't buy them like <laughs> I will find someone who wants them. So that confidence is coming. If you're a new grower, you will get there. Well, unfortunately, I'm turning 40. <gasps> so you know exactly <laughs> what it is, and you're about to hit your next good stride. I had no idea. Like, um, if you all have never seen Rochelle before, she is I, I couldn't tell she wasn't 30 yet. So props, what is your skincare routine? I'm gonna need you to send that to me. Thank you. Wear your sunscreen. <laughs> oh,
0: I love you. Exactly. Wear your sunscreen. I've been watching a lot of like skin documentaries, and I'm like, oh, wear your sunscreen, where your hats, people, because yes. I don't want to look 90 when I'm 50, you know? <laughs> so. I'm I'm pretty sure my
1: neighbors probably make fun of me because when I'm out in the field, I have like a sun shirt on. Like, I hate wearing sunscreen. So I only wear it on my face and like my top my hands. So I'm in long sleeves. My husband and I both were just these pale little babies and like long sleeves and pants and it's, you know, 100 degrees outside and I got my hood up with a wide brim hat and I'm sure my neighbors Balin Hay are like, what is she? Is she a vampire? Like, what is going on here? Because I look ridiculous and I'm the palest one of my flower friend group. The rest of them are beautifully tan. And I'm like, I have a tan line. It's horrible, you know. Oh, my gosh.
0: I told you we're going to get down these rabbit holes, but I... At the same time, like it's good. We're in the sun so much. I too, I'm sure like I'm probably the laughing stock of the neighborhood <laughs> with all my outfits and uh, in town too. I just don't care anymore. My husband, I went yeah. into town and I was getting the mail and I was giving him some of it. And he looked at me up and down. And He's like, really? I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I do not care. I'm about to go spread compost. I yep. don't give a crap what I look like. Back I understand
1: to the, the people at Walmart are now so much better. Except I'm not like in pajama pants. I'm in like the dirtiest pants I own. I've probably been wearing them for a week. Because why, why, why would I, you know? And so I'm wearing them for a week. I, I'm pretty sure I don't smell, but if I do smell, it's not like BO. So to me, it's okay. As long as it's not BO smell, I can smell like, you know, cow poop, whatever. And boots and, you know, this long sleeve and my hair up in this like wild bun. And just like, I mean, ridiculous. And I, I don't care. Like I'm delivering beautiful flowers that way. And I'm like, nobody cares what I look like because the flowers, they're pretty. So <laughs> I'm like, it's amazing when I'll go out in public in these days.
0: (laughs) You know, I talk about aging and just being more confident in yourself. I 100% can relate. Those of you
1: under 30, you will get there. (laughs) If you're not there already, I promise it gets better.
0: I just, you know, the flowers are all that matters. Me, on the other hand, and I think my customers understand at this point. I always love it when I'm delivering my CSA bouquets and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm a hot mess. I'm like, girl, do you see this? (laughs) Do you know what hot mess is? Because like, (laughs) you ain't
1: it, baby. You ain't it.
0: And it's every time I deliver it to you. Let's just be real. I am not showered and I look like heck, so. <laughs> yep, yep,
1: yep. You're lucky oh. if I don't. I always have, like, I'm the person who walks around and there's, like, leaves falling out of my hair somehow. Like, I, I don't know where they come from, but, like, there's a whole joke about it. Everywhere I go, there's just, like, leaves that trail off of me. Um, I always tell people I want to be that, like, uh, old witch with, like, the braids with sticks coming out of it, like, one day. That's who I want to be when I grow up. Uh <laughs> It's a scary witch next door with the flower farm.
0: (laughs) I love it. There will be stories told. And you know what? Amen to that. I love it. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay, we've skipped over so many of your sales outlets. You've talked about your roadside stand, your CSA. So tell us all about how you're selling your flowers. And Mm -hmm. then if there's anything that you've learned, like we've been talking about along the way that didn't work out for you, but you learned a lot from it, share, Mm -hmm. share it all. So
1: I truly think we've done it all. At this point, uh, just trying to figure out, you know, and part of that is, you know, COVID changes things and gives you new opportunities and took away opportunities. So I'm all for trying everything, unless you truly know that something is not right for you. And and when I talk to people and new flower farmers that i I have the privilege of talking to, I just say like, first of all, think of what kind of person you are. So do you like to talk to people? Is like smiling and chatting with people something you really enjoy? Then yeah, maybe farmers markets are a great way to go, or workshops are a great way to go if you like the design outlet if that is not something and like for us farmers markets were not great because you either have to get it or mostly there's a there's an aspect of rural that goes with this so we're just rural enough that to get into the markets that didn't necessarily have a flower farmer the sales were decent but they're not you know great like you're going to get in a major city where they already have some flower farms and we did weddings weddings are a much higher obviously money maker for us than a farmer's market is and I that's you know kind of where I got my roots from, right? So I, I do enjoy doing them. We we have cut way back on our full service weddings. We cut back every year and I'm so looking forward to it. And that has just become from the ability to, we've started to attract our ideal brides. So I really, I don't have to take on 10 full service weddings I'd much rather take on five or six with the best brides who want, who want my style, who want the local flowers. I have a full service bride came to me and I was, you know, saying like, well, what flowers you want? These are the ones that we should have this time of year. These are the ones that, you know, some of, our other local growers because we buy from each other all the time. Uh, I said, is there anything else like for full service? We do have an option, you know, where we can buy stuff in if we need to from our wholesalers. And so I always, you know, kind of ask, is there anything else? And they were like, we want all local. We don't care. These are color schemes. I want it local. Do what you have to do. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, we're starting to get those people and I feel very fortunate. But anyways, so weddings are a much bigger deals. So, farmer's market didn't work and it didn't make financial sense for me to pay somebody to sit at those markets. So that's where roadside stand came in because I had a need for flowers to use them towards the end of the week because I was selling to my florists. We sell to um, mostly event florists, but we have a new co-op here that has started. We actually have two co-ops, but the one that's local to me is Kentucky Flower Market. And I think they have like 30 growers that work with them. And so we work with them and then we were already selling to some florists, just like brick and mortar florists and then wedding event florists. And they want all their stuff typically by Wednesday, like no later than Wednesday. And so we had that. And then we had our CSA shares that were again, Earlier in the week. And so we needed an outlet for those Wednesday, Thursday, Friday picked flowers. And so we we have the roadside stand now, which we got some great grant money through our Kentucky Department of Agriculture to help us build that. And we live on a dead end rural road. And it's just the first year for it. And I, I think it's going, you know, pretty well. Spring sales again are better than everything else. But if it's a hundred bucks a weekend, this is what I always say. Like if it's a hundred bucks that I can sit out there and I can be weeding and making a hundred dollars while I'm doing it, to me, that's an option opportunity costs that makes me money versus paying somebody a hundred bucks to go make 200 bucks at the farmer's market. So there is where I looked at my opportunity cost of that. CSAs are, are kind of bread and butter. I have a lot of different ones. I've come up with even more for next year and I, I enjoy them. I love the certainty of it, of knowing. And sometimes I don't know, you know, like sometimes I don't know until two weeks before if, if I'm going to have a certain amount of people, which is, of course, not ideal, but you got to work with the fact that we sell flowers is different than vegetables because it's not something you eat. It is something that you're splurging on. So we don't necessarily always get those people. But, you know, I've launched my CSAs for next spring and my seasonal shares that start in April. They're great, you know, Christmas gifts and people buy them for Black Friday. They're just used to shopping. So they buy them at normal price just because they're used to buying stuff. CSAs, I I really enjoy. I love hearing from people. They, you know, tag you on Instagram and they're like, oh, my bouquet is so pretty. And I think that we've gotten a lot of publicity for even from like our weddings and other things through that. One thing that I haven't really ever necessarily advertised, but is a new thing I'm going to be putting on the website for next year, because I've always done it, but I've never made it easy to do, is like bereavement arrangements and just those special things that you would go to a florist for anniversary, that kind of stuff. Uh, I just want to send flowers to somebody. We're only going to do them locally. That way, Just we, we just don't have the time to deliver everywhere. So we're just going to kind of keep it in our county, maybe the neighboring county, and have it some. Something that you could purchase online. I'm still working through that and getting some photos to post and that kind of thing. I really enjoy those, like kind of special occasion bereavement arrangements. Which I know it sounds weird to say, you like to me they're just very special. And people just want something beautiful that they feel like is going to comfort someone. And I don't know. I just feel I feel very honored to be able to make those. So so I enjoy I enjoy that with enough notice. That is, um, people don't understand. Flower farms are not brick and mortar florist shops. If you're experiencing that, you're not alone. <laughs> That can be difficult, but that's just education. And then we've done workshops, all kinds of workshops, dried Christmas wreaths, Christmas swags, uh, personal, large ones, uh, private ones, you know, spring workshops, all kinds. I really enjoy teaching. I feel like I'm a good teacher. I mean, that's literally what I do for a living is teach people about plants. So in this way, I'm usually teaching people about design. Terrariums are a fun one to do in February. So we've done all kinds and I do enjoy them, but it is a lot. So we kind of took a little bit of a break from them this year. And we'll see if we jump back into them. I would like to, at some point, I think it's really good marketing. If anything, workshops are great marketing. So I try and put it in that frame. Like, yeah, I'm making money off of it. And maybe I'm not making as much as I necessarily thought I wanted to, but I am essentially marketing myself for free. And those people often buy a CSA share or they're like, oh, my uh, granddaughter is getting married. And then, you know, they come find you. So I think that there's something to be said about that. So I think CSAs weddings and like our roadside standard are consistent ones that I have enjoyed most of the time, except for when I'm had a late night and I'm like, I got to go make 30 bouquets. That can be a little tiring, but that's my fault and not anybody else's because I make my own schedule and I still do this to myself. So... (laughs) But so yeah, so so marketing and it's tough. I mean, it's a challenge. If you're struggling with marketing, I still learn something new every day from somebody. You know, I see like you doing something cool and I'm like, all right, how do I make that work for me? You know, how do I change that to fit my market? It's it's constant in my brain all the time and I kind of hate that.
0: But a small business, man, you got to do what you got to do. Like you said <laughs> earlier, you're selling yourself. And I loved how you brought up earlier about know you. Know yeah. what you like and what you don't like in like the farmer's market. I loved your now about the roadside stand. I love my roadside stand. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't sell a ton like I would at, say, a Mm -hmm. farmer's market. The fact I am so limited on time and you who works full time could probably speak to this. I want to be out in my field and when I'm selling at the roadside stand, I can be taking my kids to a sporting activity. Mm -hmm. I could be out in the field. I could wave and say, hello, thank you. And then they're on their merry way. Whereas a farmer's market, I've said no, (laughs) it's not. I'm not doing
1: it. I think Mm -hmm. for some people, And if I could get into some of the markets that would be valuable to me, then I might have a different tune for you. And I think that they definitely work. I mean, good friends of mine, like I said, said, Bella or Bloom's, farmer's markets are their bread and butter and they split up and they they hit the two biggest cities in the state. And, And I mean, they pay a lot to be there as farmer's markets, but that is their bread and butter. But with us, with doing weddings, you know, too, I'd have to pay somebody to be there. And with farmer's markets, you really have to be there every weekend. And I just wasn't, I don't have the time because it's not like, I'm like getting rest, which you should be getting rest, but no, I work a full-time job. So I'm on the farm. Like I work seven days a week. Don't do that. It's bad. Sometimes you just do it. And I, like I said, I enjoy what I do. So it's, I do work seven days a week and sometimes it is definitely work, but sometimes it's peace for me to be out there. It's just, yeah, I didn't, it wasn't for me. So fine, like know who you are and you will last longer in this business by being honest with yourself and what you enjoy. And if people are not your jam, sell wholesale. I have leaned more and more into wholesale wholesale because I do love my CSA clients. Like our cl- my clientele are the bomb, okay? And if any of you are listening who bought flowers for me, I love you so, so much. My clientele are the bomb, but I give a lot to people in my full-time job and I try and give a lot of myself to my clientele, my, to my brides. So I am tired. And if I can move a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff to a florist and have one communication point, I work with some of the best florists who are super chill. Shout out to Ephemeral Florals and Droid Florals because they will just call me and be like I need $300 with the stuff and my colors are Blush burgundy which is Always the colors blush and burgundy or white And green and I want no more than $100 with of foliage or whatever it is You know they'll give me some specifications and then I get to bring Them the most beautiful things that I have In their color scheme and it takes a lot Of pressure off me so they're the best find You some of those if I can unload some Stuff there yeah I don't make as much but It takes so much time off of Me and just my mental capacity is Just so much better so we're I'm I'm moving slowly more and more towards that, enjoying every second of that. So don't be afraid to change. <laughs>
0: Totally. And oh, so many great points. It's amazing. You <laughs> just gotta and- have
1: me back on to talk about more things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause like I said, we could go for like six hours yeah. we, we dive deep into each one of the topics. And your point about the workshops being marketing. So with my CSA, I kind of made it it's a club, you know. Love it. And I focused exclusive. really hard. Exactly. <laughs> and people want to sign up for that exclusive mm-hmm. club. But I did like a Mother's Day tea and they brought I said you could bring a plus one Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't know how many signups I had after that Mother's Day tea and Mm -hmm. then they told their friends and then I got all these new customers because I created a connection with that person that didn't know me even if they knew that their friend got flowers from me they got to experience Mm -hmm. my flowers and so I think like what you said workshops are an amazing way to market your stuff do a workshop at one of your
1: CSA pickup points so like I have worked with a bakery that has been, and they're just small, you know, maybe I can only fit 10 or 15 people, but those people already are willing to come to that site. You support the bakery, you know, maybe they do teas or a coffee shop, whatever it is. But like, if you can even make one of your CSA drop points, if you can do a workshop there with them after hours or on a weekend or something, you find your people that way that are willing to come to that location most of the time.
0: And I want this question answered. You keep saying we, and we all know the royal we, but is it just... to me? So is it is it the team of Alexis or is it do you have those behind you other so, than your husband?
1: Yeah, so I say we because my husband and I both through pro- that Profits First model, we both draw a paycheck. And so, right now, we couldn't both be full, you know, full time flower farmers as, as we run things now. But I like to say we because he does keep my books. It was me doing all of that, but uh, he's an engineer. He loves him some Excel spreadsheets. He loves him that stuff, some good pivot table. It's great. Uh, I'm like, can I just like see a bar graph of that? And he's like, sure, click, 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 click. I do say we now because he does draw a paycheck from it. I also, this year, really was kind of a full year year now because it was like late last year. Hired a guy on who does no more than 10 hours a week with me. And so, you know, sometimes it's a lot less than that. Sometimes it's five hours a week, but it kind of like caps out at 10. And that has been wonderful. So as an example, I have a class tonight from my full-time job on beekeeping and I cannot make it home, but he got in a few hundred of my ranunculus today. So like I'm not on the farm at all today. I picked out some stuff from the cooler, dropped them off before work and then went to work and something still got done. Done. so that has been a game changer for me and even at minimal hours you know just knowing that like he got my like he'll cut me daffodils in you know it's not always or he'll weed something and so something is getting done so yeah I definitely say we because technically two other people get paid uh besides me and you know it's it's not a ton but it is helpful but it's it, I'm doing the marketing and the growing mostly because I have control issues so <laughs> I'm like those are my babies be careful with them and i haven't yet gotten to the point where i'm going to teach anybody how to cut flowers because it's like everyone is different how do you tell somebody something's ready my husband is now becoming the dahlia man though so i will say men like dahlias i don't know if your husband's like this or not but like i have found that men really seem to jive with dahlias for some reason i guess because they're just they're kind of a masculine flower I don't know whatever I hate giving gender roles to flowers but anyways so he's kind of like taking them like on like they're still my babies but if I'm like hey I really need your help cutting because it's getting dark and I have to cut you know 2,000 stems he'll cut the dahlias like he can he can do he can handle that and help me put the tubers in and that kind of stuff so I'm like slowly but surely I'm gonna pawn them off on him and he does not know it yet. (laughs)
0: This reminds me of Maggie from Petalback, her husband Matt he loves the dahlias too. Mm-hmm. So I think you nailed something. There's just something about it. I would love to see yep. the data on that. <laughs> exactly. hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Well, we've been chatting for an hour. And like I said, there's so much more that we could talk about, but I got to hit my question, my mm-hmm. standard question of what's your favorite flower and what are those that you have learned to fire? So
1: I would say that, you know, there's always a favorite flower for every season is my standard. And I I, I would go through those with you, but I will say it in the way of like, it's definitely a flower, flower I love, but it's a flower I will always grow, even if it made me no money whatsoever is a gladiolia and that is because they remind me of my grandmother and so that's just like it's just something I I happen to be able to sell them they happen to be a standard is it my favorite flower I certainly love them like it's it's like my birth flower or whatever too so it's like I certainly really enjoy them I think they're stunning and beautiful they make me very happy but I don't know if it's really my favorite because how do you pick a favorite child right but uh, it is something that when I think about something I will always always grow it is that flower which flowers would I fire depends on the year. I'm trying to think of the things that I have. Okay. I'm going to say this. It's going to get really mixed results from people. Okay. Don't come at me. All right. But I will never again grow lemon basil. The Mrs. Burnt, I'm sorry. I can't. I just, it never looked good. I tried it two seasons right next to in the same row as my cinnamon basil, which cinnamon basil is one of the loves of my life. And it just didn't, it didn't love me. Let me put it that way. So I definitely fired her. And if you've not grown cinnamon basil, definitely do it. And I would say the other love of my life, I I will always grow would be celosia because it's like every shape color it's easy it's like oh you didn't want to pick me today it's okay I'm gonna look good on this plant for another four or five days and like I said this idea of a talk for some beginning flower farmers yesterday and the celosia slide came up because I was saying like here's some easy ones to start with and I was like this is celosia she's the love of my life and <laughs> So I would say that would be the other one that if I had to really pick, she's, she's the love of my life. So
0: that's an excellent point. And she can produce <laughs> you seeds and she right? can dry. Like I feel like can flowers she do? Like, do so much. I know, right?
1: <laughs> I just like, what can't she do besides survive yeah. the winter? But even then sometimes she's like, hey girl, I mean, it's and cold, she, but. And she can
0: self-seed herself sometimes too, mm. so. Oh,
1: yes, she can. <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Yeah,
0: this is true. <laughs> and I agree with you on the lemon basil I've tried it thank you it smells amazing but I just can't know have you grown
1: shizo have you ever grown shizo so purple shizo is purple ruffle shizo is wonderful and it's lemony scented and it's edible as well so it's kind of like always nice to have something that pulls double duty and it has that lemony scent now I know some people don't like it but I think people who like the lemon basil would like that now it's purple they do have a green version I don't love the green as much the leaves are really really large so it does kind of make it a little harder to use in like a mixed bouquet but the purple ruffles oh my gosh man making a make the moodiest like if you have some clientele who really love like a good moody color scheme purple ruffles um, or opal purple opal basil and like some burgundy flowers blush even into the oranges they corals they will pop off your stand
0: (laughs) and just run So how do you spell it?
1: Shizo. Shizo, S-H-I-S-O. It will self-seed. So it is like definitely not cold hardy, but it's a self-seeding champ. I have actually never bought seed of purple. It's available, but I've never bought it. I found it with the place that I was renting. She grew it one year, probably 10 years before, and it popped up in her sidewalk cracks. That's how it does not give two craps. And I would dig it up, put it into a 72 cell tray, and grow it up to be plug size. I just get it from around the farm every spring. That's what I do. Like I just, I find it somewhere in April, dig it up and then pot it up. And it's the only free plan I think I've ever had, truly free plan I've (laughs) had.
0: Well, like Cress for me, I let it go yep. to seed. I use as much as I want, and then I let it go to seed. And that whole patch is continue to reseed itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm those flowers that do all the work are on my top of the list. Right. Top notch. We'll keep forever. So anyways, those are those are my... I, I, I have a
1: flower for every season. If you want a sh- flower for every shape, I'm here for it. If you want a Kentucky native, you know, what else? But I've really enjoyed my time. So thank you so much for, for having me.
0: And I, I just... I love talking flowers. If that's not obvious, yeah. yeah. Oh well, and that's the whole point of this podcast is for us to have somebody to talk to. Because <laughs> before we started, I'm like, you know, telling my family, nobody talks to me, just my flower friends. You know, yeah, I, I can actually talk to them.
1: We have a a, a group chat of uh, some Kentucky flower farmers from kind of all over, and we call ourselves the Dirt Girls. And so my husband now will be like, well, what do the Dirt Girls have to say? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't asked them yet. You Know so find you a tribe of people who grow other plants because they will they
0: will understand you and when you're like I'm too tired to go out they're like girl same so <laughs> well and going back to our earlier conversation about you know aging you mm. you start to realize like your time is limited yep. and I want to find these people that like I can relate to that understand me that know if I'm not picking up the phone or texting them right mm-hmm. back like they're out in the field dirty right. like yep. their phone is lost and in my the gloves are on file. yeah. Yeah, exactly
1: yeah. you're lucky if I I only have it on because I'm listening to a podcast you know don't interrupt me yeah I, I swear some of the, like the, the best friends I have I've never actually met like you and I are now best friends and I'm like I we've met more than a lot of people I've met on
0: Instagram <laughs> so that is so true like some of these people I've never met like in real life before but I feel like I have such an amazing connection with them and mm-hmm. so this is why I created this community is just to have us in each other's ears and yes. hopefully we can gain something from it even if it is like feeling less alone so Mm -hmm. well I got it before we wrap up I got to talk about the goldenrod because I have planted like probably four different varieties Mm -hmm. and I am in love Mm -hmm. with that plant Mm -hmm. it is so incredible so can we just digress for two seconds before we wrap up about goldenrod and do you have favorites yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pulling
1: out my notebook right now that has my list of goldenrod in it so that I can remember where I've planted what things and if you take nothing away from this podcast, it should be that you should keep good notes. And I know that's easier said than done, but that I have a cute little notebook I bought from Floret. It's got cute flowers on the front of it and it literally goes everywhere with me. Like, why do I need it on vacation? I don't know, because my brain might randomly be like, crap, what kind of peony did I buy? And I mean to know now it will drive me crazy. So anyways, okay, let's see. Goldenrod. So one that I really like that if you don't have it, you should. It's called Wand Goldenrod. It is a very, very late one. And I like it because it's gonna hit your chrysanthemums. It is blooming around frost. It will take one, and it is tall. Like my Wand Goldenrod, I'm five foot six and it's taller than me. And it is a very, I don't know if you're familiar with like witch hazel, like that yellow bloom of witch hazel, it's kind of almost, it's almost neon, it's very vibrant. Wand Goldenrod is kind of similar. It's not quite as harsh as that, but it's very, very vibrant flower and it is not as fluffy. Thank you. The cat so it's, people don't even necessarily realize that it's a goldenrod. So it, it's fun and it's easy and it's that late bloom. So that's really nice. Of course, you probably have fireworks. You have fireworks goldenrod? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. And gold baby is the other one that like. It blooms at a weird time. And I don't know if it's just my system. It blooms about two months before our, like our native goldenrod does uh, for us, which is kind of nice. It sort of extends my goldenrod season and I can have that available because that's a florist staple. If you want to get in with a florist, goldenrod is a great way because they're familiar. You're with it so gold baby has done really well for me it's not aggressive it's not huge yeah I, I really like that one and then I've also got upland goldenrod and early goldenrod and they're just they're just goldenrod like they're not they're great they're nothing that like really really sticks out I'm glad I have them I would probably plant them again but like the two that I really love are the gold baby and the wand goldenrod uh, and mostly because they're like at weird times I guess and not everybody has it and it's
0: just they're cool so I just have a couple different varieties and I need to get a notebook like you you and have all my varieties because it's buried in Excel spreadsheets, which I never like dig yeah. up. And people ask me like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: At least you have it somewhere, like have it somewhere yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I love an Excel spreadsheet, man. Like yeah. I, I, I'm i here for that, yeah. but it wasn't readily available. And so yeah. like maybe if you do it, if you're the kind of person who has it on like a Google sheet where you can pull, pull it up on your phone, but I often don't have great service where I'm at. Maybe it's just because I'm old as the as my brother is a gen z so he would be like you're so old i still keep a paper calendar like i I do have some online stuff for my weddings and things like that but i still i transfer all that into a paper calendar there's something to me about writing it down putting it in a form you know i like to have some colored pens going with it and it's still a mess it's still jumbled it's got my field notes in it but there's something about writing it physically for me personally that so if, if you have found that taking notes online is not working for you just try getting a cool notebook that's pretty and mine is real rough. This is my second one. I had another one. I started this one. When we bought the farm, so this is all the new farm stuff on it. And I have another one that I filled almost to the last page with just all the other stuff. I look back on that, like I really do. Go wait, where did I get that? That one time, and I'll flip through pages. And yeah, it's not as good as like being able to search it on my computer. But I
0: learn a lot from myself and see where I've come. So there you there go. Is write your so stuff much down. to write stuff down. No, I totally agree. It's I don't know. There's something about pen to paper. It just yeah. makes sense. The cool thing about goldenrod to like what you illustrated is it is a staple. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. And you can, it's a perennial. People. Yes, it's easy. Like, it comes back, but it has this really long season. And I'm going to add the wand, a golden mm-hmm. rod to my collection. But look at that. That one plant, if you have several different varieties, can get you such a long season of yep. green filler. It's amazing. It dries. Like I have just absolutely loved it. So thanks I didn't
1: for- even dry. Any this year that reminded me, I should have dried some this year, but I didn't because I sold it all, so like you know, can't be mad about that, I guess.
0: I was in the grocery store the other day and I saw some in a bouquet and I'm like, I love that.
1: It's great. It's so, it's so great. And you can use it at lots of different stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely goldenrod. And it's great for the pollinators. It's great, you know, ecosystem wise. It don't need to feed it. So it's just, there's nothing not to love. There are, okay, I will say there are some that are an aggressive varieties. I believe it's the Ohioensis variety. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there is one species that is the one that like you see in all the roadsides ditches. And I wouldn't call it invasive i'd call it aggressive put it in a bed by itself and let it go ham And you're going to cut on it so much that it's not going to spread the way you think because you're depleting it a lot Uh, so it's really not going to be as aggressive as like a mint or something like that But I know a lot of people stress so just I have all my golden rod in one big row and i'm like fight it Fight it out to the death do do you
0: Alexis this has been so good. I yeah. like, I want to talk about your pitcher plants. I want to talk about all the things, but I want to honor your time. And thank you. I just so appreciate you being here. And I know you're part of another podcast. So maybe yeah. share a little bit about that. And then where can others find you for inspiration or if they want to buy your Aww. flowers? Yeah. How can they follow you? Okay. So
1: yeah, I do for my full-time job, if you're a plant person and, you know, we talk, there's some episodes where we talk about flowers, but it's kind of all plant. Everything uh, I host with three other other guys who are awesome uh, kind of part of extension have really various backgrounds. It's called hort culture podcast so that's two words hort culture it's a blue background with a plant on it and you'll hear my voice I will probably sound something like this at, at the beginning but it's really fun we have a good time it's people who just really love plants so if you if you want to listen to a podcast but you get overwhelmed with all the flower ones Rochelle and I were talking about that like it's sometimes you're just like I just don't want to listen to anything more about flowers right and and that's okay but if you want to learn about soil testing or insects or other things that can still help you on the farm marketing check that out I tend to think it's good but you know <laughs> That's just me. And then from a social media standpoint, if uh, my social media is Wild Roots Farmer Florist, is my handle on both Facebook and Instagram. My website is Wild Roots Farmer Florist, so you can check out our photos and check out all that kind of stuff. And it's a little bit a of mix of just pretty pictures and some education because I can't help myself. And I want you to know how to take some of geranium cuttings. You know, it's a little bit of everything and cute corgis. Come for the corgis, honestly. It's just stay for the corgis. The flowers are great too, but they're really cute. So. <laughs> So you can you can find us there. We're located in the central part of Kentucky in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, specifically. So cent- very centrally located. We do drop off points for our CSA, kind of in a in about a forty mile radius around us. We've got some drop off points, but yeah, we do all kinds of stuff. If you have questions, like feel free to reach out. Like I said, I, I'm really I have gained a lot from this community, and so I try and give back when I can, whether that be from a work point of view or just like a personal farmer to farmer. You know, if you're looking for a resource or something. I might be able to help you find it. And so I'm happy to do that. And I think that we all got help somewhere. And so it's our, our responsibility to give that help back. And I think that's what you do, Rochelle, giving your time to this podcast and helping people. So thank you for, for doing that for this community and helping this community grow.
0: Well, thank you for that. And I see big things in your future, friend. Aww. Be ready to start <laughs> just in like... politics or something.
1: <laughs> right, if I quit my day job, maybe, because I'm like, I'm sick of people giving me the flowers by the end of the day, so. I <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I just want to say thank you again to Alexis for such a great conversation. I had so much fun talking to her, lots of great laughs, and like I just mentioned in the podcast, the whole purpose of these chats is for you to feel like you're sitting around the table with a bunch of friends, and you can get a giggle out of it, you can also learn something, or maybe make a mental note of an idea that we might be talking about that you want explore in your community. And so that's why I love continuing to talk to all kinds of different flower farmers and then also other small businesses that have such an instrumental place in our world. So, if you're one of those, I hope that you'd reach out to me to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. But anyways, so going back to Alexis. I wrote this on a sticky note. I have several of them thanks to these beautiful chats that now line my office walls so that I am reminded of what my fellow flower farmers have said that will stick with me for a very long time. What Alexis said is quality over quantity. A lot of times and even though I'm going in my fourth season I'm still like oh my gosh I should grow this. Keep having to remind myself of my 2024 mantra which is to be better. To really focus on the quality of my work, quality of my product and I will make a name for myself. By doing those things. So, thank you so much, Alexis, for this great conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll be talking with you in the next one. Take care, my friends. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation, and together, we All boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.